Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and how the tech are you? It's time for the tech news for Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. Our first news item is about Google's conversation model AI that's called Lambda, L-A-M-D-A. Now, I covered this in yesterday's Tech Stuff episode, but in case you missed it, here is the short version. An engineer at Google working in the responsible AI division was suspended from his job after saying the AI might be sentient. Uh, The engineer, Blake Lemoine, shared a transcript of a few conversations that he and a colleague of his had with the conversation engine, during which the engine argued that it was conscious and that it experienced emotions. Google suspended the engineer for violating a confidentiality policy, which undoubtedly helped fuel speculation about the model's alleged sentience. Now, several AI experts have weighed in on this, and the general consensus is that Lambda is nowhere close to being sentient or conscious. 
It's just good at what it's supposed to do, which is to generate conversational dialogue. But as Gary Marcus, who is the founder of Geometric Intelligence, put it, what that really does is it just means Lambda is a, a very advanced version of autocomplete. Lambda uses statistics to determine what to say next. So imagine you had a truly enormous database that contains practically all the conversations that have ever been recorded. And you could see which responses were more prevalent to particular lines of conversation, weigh them against each other, and create an engine that could select the appropriate one at the appropriate time. So you use a very complicated version of this general approach, and you get something like Lambda. It's a process that can construct sentences that seem natural because they are drawn from natural conversations. Not, you know, verbatim, but that's what is being used to model it. It's a very cool technology, but it's not sentient AI. As I mentioned yesterday, we humans have a tendency to ascribe human-like traits to non-human things, whether that be animals, your car, or a chatbot. We imagine there's a mind at work, when in many cases no such mind exists. I still think this raises questions about what it will take for us to conclude that an AI has gained some form of consciousness, and I don't know what the answer is to that, but then I'm not an AI expert. And I imagine the folks who are really deep in this research have a much better grasp of what it would take for us to consider any evidence to be close to conclusive. Google has agreed to a $118 million settlement in a class action lawsuit brought against it by employees, namely women who worked for Google since 2013. And these are women who say they were paid significantly less than their male counterparts who were working in the same kind of jobs. Specifically, on average, women were paid $16,794 less than men in similar positions on average. That includes not just base compensation, but also stuff like bonuses and stock options. In addition, the lawsuit accused Google of placing women in lower-level positions than men with similar experience, and that when employees were leaving the company, Google failed to pay out the full amount that was owed to those employees. This was a pretty big lawsuit. There were more than 15,000 women who had worked for Google since 2013 that were part of it. Four of the women will receive significant payouts. Kelly Ellis will receive $75,000, three others will get $50,000 each, and the rest of those 15,000-plus women will get, on average, around $5,500. The rest of the cash goes to, of course, you know, lawyers, legal fees, that kind of thing. So, does this mean that we're going to see some massive changes at Google? Well, this was a settlement, not a legal judgment, and Google has not admitted to any kind of wrongdoing. Rather, Google reps say that the company frequently reviews compensation and, whenever it finds inequities, it makes quote-unquote upward adjustments to remove those inequities. I certainly hope that Google walks that walk. Google Talk, aka Gchat, is finally riding off to that there sunset. Alright, settle in, this gets confusing because, let's face it, Google is not great at introducing and then continuing to support its various products. The company has an incredibly long list of services that have long since gone away. And let's just pause and think for a moment about some of those services like Google Wave, Google Buzz, and Google+. So Google Talk Gchat was an instant messaging service nested within Gmail. You could pop into your Gmail account 
and send messages to your various contacts through talk rather than type out a full email. Well, Google would later introduce a similar service called Hangouts, and in 2017, Google pushed Gmail users from Talk to Hangouts. However, Talk itself technically still stuck around, uh, not really as its own thing. People weren't going to that independently that much. Instead, it was a platform that other apps depended upon, like Pigeon was one of those apps, P-I-D-G-I-N. But on the 16th, Google is finally pulling the plug on Talk. As for Hangouts, well, Hangouts technically became Google Chat in 2020. So what will it be tomorrow? I don't even think Google knows the answer to that. Speaking of legacy services getting the plug pulled on them, let's talk about Internet Explorer, once the king of all web browsers. Microsoft will finally end all support for Internet Explorer tomorrow, which is June 15th, 2022, if you're listening to this news episode in the future for some reason. IE first debuted in 1995, and it was a major part of Microsoft's strategy as Windows was dominating the PC space. It was also a part of what would bring Microsoft under fire for anti-competitive practices, as other organizations like Mozilla would argue that Microsoft was discouraging people from using any browser other than IE, and that customers were being forced to buy two products, even if they just wanted one. They had to get both Windows and Internet Explorer because they were bundled together. They were inseparable. So these were some arguments being made, and ultimately, The initial court demanded that Microsoft not just stop all this, but that the company be broken up by the government because it was representing an anti-competitive force, a monopoly. But that decision would later be overturned on appeal. Anyway, IE was a dominant browser for a few years, although Chrome would eventually overtake and pass Internet Explorer around 2012. And from then on, IE had a long, slow decline. In 2015, Microsoft introduced the Edge browser, which was meant to be the successor to Internet Explorer. And Microsoft has been pulling support for IE through various platforms for the last couple of years. So this isn't like a massive surprise or anything. And tomorrow, all support ends. IE is officially discontinued. I suspect some of y'all listening have probably never even used Internet Explorer. And to you, I say... You weren't missing much. I mean, I do remember a time when a certain web-based interface that I had to use was only compatible with Internet Explorer and how frustrating that was. It was the only reason I would keep Internet Explorer on my computer. There was a, a CMS, a content management system that I had to work on about a decade ago, and it would only properly work with IE. That was frustrating. So uh, yeah, there's some legacy systems that may still require IE because they never got updated to be more compatible with other browsers. But for the most part, you can say Internet Explorer is finally going to be dead as of tomorrow. Microsoft has entered into a labor neutrality agreement with the Communications Workers of America. That in turn is the union that has been assisting Activision Blizzard employees in their various efforts to unionize. All right, so quick refresher. Activision Blizzard is a massive video game company And it has had a tumultuous couple of years for lots of reasons. I mean, there have been a largely negative reception to some of the high-profile games the company has released recently. There have been serious and disturbing allegations regarding a toxic corporate culture that facilitates harassment and sexual discrimination. 
And the company has allegedly discouraged employees from organizing, essentially using union-busting tactics. And of course, Microsoft is on track to acquire Activision Blizzard, which would seriously boost Microsoft's already impressive presence in gaming. So Microsoft agreeing to remain a neutral party is an important step for Activision Blizzard employees. Microsoft traditionally itself hasn't been super keen on unions, like a lot of other tech companies and companies in general, really. But more recently, Brad Smith, the president of Microsoft, said that the company would be supportive of potential unions. And this will mean that once Microsoft completes its acquisition, employees at Activision Blizzard should theoretically encounter no resistance or discouragement if they should wish to pursue organizing into a union. That's pretty encouraging news for those employees, although that acquisition still has to go through several more stages before it is official. Well, we've got some more news items to cover, but before we get to that, let's take a quick break. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was we'll it? Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. MacRumors reports that LG is working on the second-generation mixed-reality headset for Apple, which is probably news to a lot of folks because Apple has yet to officially announce the first-generation headset. It's been a poorly kept secret for a few years now that Apple has been working on some sort of mixed-reality hardware. However, we have never seen Apple acknowledge this publicly in any of its marketing events or conferences that it has held since those rumors started to circulate. Now, that in itself isn't unusual. Apple has a reputation for secrecy. And long-time Apple fans know that the company has sat on plans for years before finally being ready to move on them. That doesn't stop leaks from occasionally happening, sometimes from within Apple itself, sometimes it's through one of Apple's manufacturing partners. But anyway, the rumor is that LG is going to provide micro-OLED displays for the second-generation headset, and that LG also contributed components to the first-generation system. Mac Rumors says that, according to analyst Ming-Chi Kuo, this second-generation device will not hit the market until the second half of 2024. I'm sure several people were disappointed that Apple had made no mention of mixed reality during WWDC 2022. That's their worldwide developer conference. Uh, But maybe we will finally get a glimpse of the mixed reality headset this fall, which is when Apple typically holds its iPhone event. Most rumors say that the mixed reality headset was going to be ready for sale by the end of this year, you know, for the holiday season. So if we don't see it by September, it sounds to me like it's not going to be a 2022 thing at all. So we'll have to wait and see. Telegram founder Pavel Durov is throwing hands at Apple, saying that the company purposefully restricts web app features. So here's what Telegram's issue actually is. The messaging and chat service has an iOS app, but that app sometimes has issues because Telegram has kind of a hands-off approach to moderation. It does not restrict content in public channels. That is bad form in the eyes of Apple. Apple wants content moderation. They want the they want to ensure that The material being looked at on their phones meets Apple's high standards, even if it's not coming from Apple itself. So the Telegram app isn't the fully featured Telegram. However, Telegram also has a web-based version that users could go to instead. They could just navigate there via Safari. But then Apple restricts all iOS developers to use the Apple WebKit, which means the web-based version of Telegram is lacking certain features, like push notifications, although the latest version of iOS will enable those. 
So in the UK, uh, Apple faces more antitrust reviews with various agencies and companies accusing Apple of purposefully restricting competitors from being able to provide alternatives to Apple's own services on iOS devices. That has been a major ongoing story for Apple, this battle with regulators, especially in the European Union. Meanwhile, the EU is also moving to hold big tech companies more accountable for creating and enforcing policies, quote, regarding impermissible manipulative behaviors and practices on their services based on the latest evidence on the conducts and tactics, techniques, and procedures, TTPs, employed by malicious actors, end quote. So that includes stuff like misinformation campaigns that are pushed by legions of fake accounts, but it also includes more recent tactics, things like deep fake images and deep fake videos. Should companies fail to adhere to this code, they could be liable for fines up to 6% of global turnover. And in this context, you can think of turnover as more or less being global revenue. So for the really big, big tech companies out there, 6% would be in the billions of dollars neighborhood, which is serious stuff. So there are major companies that have already kind of agreed to these kind of uh, of demands in the past, like Meta and Twitter. We'll have to see if that continues and what, you know, what tactics the sites and services will employ to detect and remove this kind of content in the EU. We've been seeing signs in the tech sector for a while now that companies are getting a bit concerned from hiring freezes to layoffs to rescinded job offers. The trend appears to be a slowdown in the tech industry as companies deal with a slowing economy. Since many analysts treat the tech sector as kind of a canary in a coal mine, this has led to predictions of a larger slowdown and downsizing in general across different industries. And startups might find it harder to get off the ground as investors have a more difficult time borrowing money that they can then pour into moonshot opportunities. So things are probably going to get worse before they get better. Now, I do have a couple of cool items to close out this episode. One is that researchers at MIT have developed a sensor that can tell the difference between bacterial and viral pneumonia. And you might think, well, what's the big deal there? Well, here's the problem. Pneumonia can be caused by either a bacterial infection or a viral infection. There's not just one pathway to pneumonia. And you can treat a bacterial infection with antibiotics, but antibiotics do not have an effect on viruses. So doctors need a way to differentiate the type of infection that caused pneumonia in order to prescribe an effective treatment for it. Otherwise, you can only treat the symptoms. Plus, you know, you don't want to overuse antibiotics uh, because through overuse, bacteria can develop immunity to those kinds of medications that makes future treatments much more challenging. Anyway, the researchers created a nanoparticle sensor that looks for something really interesting. Rather than trying to seek out the pathogen itself, you know, that is rather than looking for the root cause of the pneumonia, the sensors actually detect the body's response to the infection. The research team identified 39 different enzymes that react differently to different kinds of infections. So by detecting what the body is doing in response to the infection, the sensors can help scientists determine the nature of the infection itself. And I think that's a really cool way to tackle the problem. So far, the team has seen successful results while testing on mice. Of course, there's a pretty big leap between a mouse and a person, at least for most people. So a lot more work is going to have to be done to see if this method will translate to human patients. If it does, it could become a standard practice for treating pneumonia, as doctors determine if antibiotic or antiviral medication is best suited for the individual case. 
And finally, SpaceX is just a little bit closer to Mars. U.S. regulators have sent SpaceX a message. As long as the company can guarantee compliance with 75 mitigating actions, the company's enormous Starship rocket should receive clearance to blast off toward Mars from these regulators. So the mitigating actions range from stuff like ensuring local wildlife habitats remain protected to cleaning up after launches to even avoiding launches on weekends and holidays because locals in Texas would like to be able to access the beach that's close to the launch site. And that beach would be shut down on any launch day. So just launch during the work week, y'all when people should be at work anyway. Uh, there's still more reviews to follow from other agencies, so this is not a a signed deal. It's not carte blanche for SpaceX just yet. They're going to have to pass safety tests and lots of other reviews before it can actually go forward with test launches of the spacecraft. But it is one more step toward the company getting permission to head off to the Red Planet. And that's it for the news for Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. If you have anything you would like to send me, you can do so either with the talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. Just go to Tech Stuff, use a little microphone icon. You can leave up to a 30-second voice message to me. Or, as always, you can reach out on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW. And I will talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.